Actually, it wasn't until this week, Jack and I were sitting there thinking about it, that it was one year ago that, uh, that we came to M1 Accord. It was at Father's Day of last year, so I didn't uh, realize that till, uh we were just looking at the calendar and, and looking at that. So, uh, so just being with uh, Shannon and Shay and, and, and just leadership with you guys, it has been an incredible blessing for us, and it's been, it's been fun. Hey, uh, I can't, I'm going to change this message. I had one message, and then the Lord kind of switched it up a little bit. I knew I wanted to give a Father's Day message. Right, because this is our day, right, guys? Matter of fact, it's the day, remember, the wife's going to cook us all breakfast. Right, right, see you up here? Well, guess what? Pulling to the parking lot, and Jackie said, oh, my goodness, I forgot to do the breakfast. Well, she had to do Sunday school, so guess who got to cook his own Father's Day breakfast? At 8 o'clock this morning, I'm driving all the way back home. Oh, y'all right, bud? Uh, scrambling the eggs, getting it back up here, so what an honor, huh? What an honor. Hey, uh, yeah, hey, it's an honor to serve. You know, if you're going to be a father, you've got to set the example, right? So, all right, here's what I'm going to, uh, Lord kind of let me speak on this morning. And uh, if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start there. We're going to look at a lot of different verses. Look at a lot of different things uh, this morning. And uh, how this got started, I just... Uh, as you turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and you, you start talking about fathering, um, many of you, some of you in here are already empty nesters. Some of you have kids or teenagers. Some of you have children. Some have infants. Some are fathers this morning, though you may still have another few months to go before you see the little booger. Right, Donnie, and a few others? So um, here's a... Here's what the Lord kind of changed me. I was doing on this. Um, and I'm going to say it this way. I'm going to start really with the women. By the way, so women don't block out here and thinking, oh, this is a message for the guys, blah, 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 fatherhood. Predominantly it is, but it's really the Father's message to you. Meaning your Heavenly Father's message to you before then you have a message, guys, to speak to your children. And um, in Ephesians chapter 6, Verse 4, it said this, and it says, And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And I began thinking about that. And, and just some other verses started coming to mind. And I thought about it this way. In your home, the woman determines the attitude of the home. The mother determines the attitude, but the father determines the atmosphere. Let me show you what I mean by that. When you look at Proverbs chapter 31, now y'all immediately, you know about that. That's about the woman, right? The virtuous woman, the Proverbs 31 woman. It's interesting, as you get down toward the very end of that passage, it says in verse 28, it says that her husband and children rise up and call her blessed, right? Now, what's interesting, when you think about the Hebrew, there's two different words for blessed. One is her word, barak, but well, that's not the word used here. And Barak means to just simply proclaim a truth, to state something. But that's not the word for blessed in this. It says her husband and children rise up and call her in the Hebrew Asher. That's the word for that word blessed. Now, y'all may recognize the word Asher. That's one of the 12 tribes, one of the 12 sons, right, of Jacob, of Israel. But Asher means happy. 
her children and husband rise up and call her happy. Now, we have all heard the expression in here, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Folks, you didn't know that was scriptural, did you? Right? The, it says right there, her husband and children rise up and call her happy. And the, the, what, what it's signifying there is the husband and children are happy because the mama has set forth an attitude of happiness. Now, you see what I mean? Wives, mothers, that's your role. You determine the attitude of the home. Because if, if, if the mother isn't happy, there's not going to be happiness in the home. Can we all say amen to that? Likewise, take it with being joyful, peaceful. Folks, the woman determines, the mother sets forth this attitude of the home. But the father, which now we're going to carry on the rest of the message with, sets forth the atmosphere of the home. You know, it's interesting that it's your image, and most of y'all know this, how you view your heavenly father, that is formed by how you viewed your earthly father. You just cannot escape that. Whatever your earthly father modeled for you is how you initially understand your heavenly father. You know, just uh, Friday night, Micah, for his 13th birthday party, had three you know, sons over, spend the night, and here's what's real interesting, in each of the three boys, Jackie and I was able to look at them, and we could see their dads, we could see their dad, it was so, Max, you could see Dwayne, right, Joseph, you could see Terry, I mean, it's just as clear as a bell, you know, the old expression, a nut doesn't fall too far from the tree, I mean, you could see in the boys, just like their father, understand this, your image of heavenly father was first formed, Guys, by what you saw in your earthly father. Now, it's put it this way. If your earthly father was absent and distant, your first view of God is one who is a distant God and absent from you. If you had a father that was a strict, harsh disciplinarian, you see your heavenly father as one who is strict, judgmental. You know, you better toe the line, boy. That's, that's how you initially see them. So we all have that, but many and both, but think about this from fathers. You determine that atmosphere. So guys, there's an unbelievable responsibility on us in that. Your children will, firm, will form their first images of God the Father by you. It's not the mother. It's you. That's a heavy responsibility, isn't it? Think now, guys, how do your children view you? That is how they're coming to know the Heavenly Father. Because you can't portray one thing and think they're going to come to know the truth of a Heavenly Father in another way. They form it by watching you. What you say, how you live, how we act. That's a strong responsibility, isn't it? So understand this, that guys, we determine that atmosphere of the home. And so therefore, we almost need a reorientation of this importance of fatherhood. Because unfortunately, we, you know, obviously our culture is so counter-fatherhood, that's just ridiculous. But folks, even in the church, guys, we have taken upon ourselves ministry functionings outside the home because we're advancing the kingdom. And what we realize, you have completely failed and missed it if in the home those children do not know who their Heavenly Father is. 
Okay, I know we were talking about this with Shannon Shea the other night. I said, you know, when you think of your ministries, guys, whatever we're involved in, I don't care if it's, you know, you're on the praise team or you're teaching this or whatever, you're involved with this ministry function at its highest. I mean, if that ministry is just anointed and signs and wonders and everything are happening, it still only comes about this level. But the ministry you have with your children is always up here. It far surpasses anything we can do. What I do in them one accord is only down here compared to what I do with Mike and Naomi and Eden. Are y'all with me on that? That's the importance. We have to reorientate ourselves to understanding that. Now, look here in Ephesians chapter 6. Notice it says this. I'm going to talk about just the Father's mandate, and then I'm going to talk about five things the Father gives. Real quickly, the Father's mandate. It says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Notice this. It doesn't say to mothers. It says to fathers. It's the Father's mandate. Guys, it's not your wife's job to teach them about the Lord. Now, mothers, obviously, in other passages, you have a huge powerful, anointed influence upon your children. But make no mistake, this is a mandate given to the guys in here. It's a mandate to fathers. Fathers, you do this. It's your mandate. And what's interesting, notice it says, don't provoke them wrath, but bring them up. Look up in verse 29. Bring them up. That is the Greek word there in chapter 5, verse 29. It says, you know, there was, talk about husband and wife. It says, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. That word nourishes is that same word as bring them up. See, we think about it's the mom who nourishes the children, but this is right here. It's the father who nourishes. It's the father who, in the actual word, means to cherish. Cherish. Guys, do you cherish your children? That's the mandate. Do you cherish them? Are they just the apple of your eye? Are they just the prize of your life? That's what it's talking about. You cherish your children to that degree. Do you cherish them? And so it tells us that. And then it says this. It says, you, you bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Oh, King James, and it says the, in, the, to, uh, in the nourishment and admonition of the Lord. But I, I thought about this is that, you know, this mandate that's right here, guys, for you as fathers, this is the mandate that the Heavenly Father took for you. Isn't this what your Heavenly Father does for you? Does He not bring you up in the nurture and admonition of Himself? The Heavenly Father is constantly nourishing, nourishing you, cherishes you, teaching you, instructing you, establishing you, maturing you. And here's the thing, guys. Your Heavenly Father isn't asking you to do anything He, he isn't willing to do Himself. Because the problem is we often come and we say, okay, guys, do A, B, C, D, and E, and then you'll be a good dad, blah, blah, blah. But the problem is you can't give away what you don't have. And oftentimes you haven't allowed the Heavenly Father to do these things for you. Think about this. You can't give away what you don't have. How can I give you peace if I don't have the peace of the Lord in my heart? How can I, spe- how, how can I offer Jackie strength as her husband if I don't have the strength of the Lord within me? So y'all see that? You can't give away what you don't have. Notice the Father doesn't ask you to do anything that he ain't willing to do himself. That's why Jesus can look at you and say, lay down your lives for one another. Why? Because I've already done that myself. I don't ask you to do what I'm not willing to do myself. You know, he said, how many times Jesus says, I'm desiring to do this. I'm willing to do this. Because that's his heart towards you. So, 
so the Father's mandate is to give this thing away. The same thing that the Heavenly Father does for you. So as I say these five things, know this is, this isn't, guys, just what you are to give to your children. It's what you need to know your Heavenly Father is speaking to you about. It's what he's trying to give you, and actually what he gives to each one of us. So let's look at these five things. The first thing I'm going to uh, put down here was this. The Father gives identity. In Matthew 3, 17, this is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, or beginning of his public ministry, and y'all know the story. Uh, Jesus is coming down to the waters of the Jordan. John the Baptist is there baptizing, right? And so, you know, John the Baptist baptizing, Jesus comes down. You know the story. So John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. He comes up out of the water, and then it says, Heaven is opened up, and this is what is heard. The Father says this. The first message to his son is this. This is my beloved son. Guys, the first thing you need to do with your children is this. You give them their identity. What the Father is doing, he is identifying who Jesus is. Jesus, never forget this. You are my beloved son. Guys, the first message your children need to know from you as their dad is that they are your beloved son. See, identity tells them who they are. So before they can go do anything for the Lord, before they can find their purpose in life, and all, they need to know who they are, and who they are is this. Son, you're my beloved son. Daughter, you're my beloved daughter. Guys, make sure you're the ones telling your kids that every day. Every day you're seeing your children, and it's you that's telling them. You just don't leave this for your wife to do. Guys, they need to hear it from you because it's from the Father that identity comes. Right? Everything from the last name to everything else. The Father gives identity. And identity is this. You're my beloved daughter. You're my beloved daughter. You're my beloved son. That's the message that the Heavenly Father speaks over you. When you come to Christ, that message was spoken over you. As soon as you gave your life to Christ, the Father looked down from heaven and said, You're my beloved son. You now have a new identity. That is who you are. And not only is my love unconditional, it's unwaning. It never grows cold. It never grows old. Guys, that's the first thing you will give to your children is that identity. Knowing that they are the beloved son. Or they are the beloved daughter. That's what we give to our children. You know, I... uh, you know, the passages which speaks, Romans 8.15, it says, For we cry out, Abba, Father. You know, Abba, Aramaic, it just means Daddy. There's a tenderness there, guys, that's associated with that word. Your Heavenly Father is tender towards you. It's not a harsh disciplinarian. So, guys, it's that tenderness that you have to offer. Um, in Proverbs I think it's in chapter 19, verse 22, it says, For what is desired in a man is, don't say strength, don't say power, don't say any of that, it says what's desired in a man is kindness. Fathers, what's desired in you is kindness. Can your children look at you and say, I am that guy's beloved child, and he is kind toward me? Because, folks, that's what your heavenly father is. That's his message to you. He is kind towards you. And your identity is that you're his beloved child. I may know of this, that start thinking about this thing about discipline. By the way, it's always difficult when you talk about parenting because we all parent a little bit differently. 
And like even in Jackie and I with our three children, we could probably tell you more like what not to do than to do. Y- y'all feel like that? So every time you stand up and you teach yourself about parenting, you always feel a little bit inept or inadequate because you're thinking, oh, I know we're not exactly perfect, you know, and just hang around the house for a few days and you see that. But nonetheless, I, I do want to say this. There are many books and, and everything about parents and disciplining. And by the way, and disciplining is good. When we get mad, we discipline very easily um, with them. So, um, folks, here's what I want to say about discipline, though. You know, when we look in this culture and we look around, it's, you know, we, we see kids going crazy. And the easiest thing to do is say, you know what, we, we lack discipline with this young generation. Right? And you well, well, the real problem is we don't have enough discipline going on at home. No, folks, that's just a result of it. Problem is, there's a lack of a father's love. The problem is not discipline. I see that all the time. Well, we just need to be more strict, more disciplined, disciplined. No, you let the father's love come to the child, and discipline will tend to work itself out, guys. You see, it's under the Father's love that rebellion gets squashed. It's under a Father's love that then honor begins being shown. That's the key that's missing in most homes. It's not the lack of discipline. Now, by the way, discipline is important, right? And we see that taught through Scripture. But make note of this, guys. In your fatherhood, discipline is not the goal. Love is the goal. Discipline is utilized to make sure the goal is accomplished. Does that make sense to you? Discipline is not the goal of parenting, but how easy, it is easy to think that way sometimes, isn't it? Okay, keep them in line, do this, do this, do this. That's not the goal. And folks, what's missing in our young generation is that very thing, a father's love is not discipline. Because when the father's love is there, everything else comes in. All right, second thing, talk about knowing just a father give identity, but this one kind of goes right along with it. But the father gives acceptance. Here's what I mean by that. Jesus comes out of the water there in the Jordan. The father says this. This is my beloved son. He gives him identity. But then he says this. In whom I am well pleased. The father says, not only have I identified him as my beloved son, but I'm so pleased with him. Do you have, do your, let me say, ask it this way. Do your children know that they are fully accepted by you? Can they honestly say, man, I please my dad so much? That's a challenging statement, isn't it? The father said this, in whom I'm well pleased. The father gives full and complete acceptance. And what you need to hear this morning, what we all need to hear, because remember, before I can give it away, I have to receive it. And you have to hear this from your heavenly father this morning. He's well pleased with you. Because how can you give that away to your children if you hadn't received it from the father himself? The father says, I'm well pleased with you. You say, yeah, but I know I lost my temper this week. I'm well pleased with you. Yeah, I know, but I did that wrong this week. It doesn't matter. I'm well pleased with you. And what your children need to learn is this, that we all need to learn from our Heavenly Father. Pleasing is not performance-based. Don't we think that? Well, you know, if I have my quiet time, I pray, I do this, I serve, and all that, then God will be pleased and I will be accepted. That is bad theology. Because what you have just done is brought law back into grace you just mix the two 
and, and it, it will crush you. It's not based upon performance. And what your children, what my three children need to know is this. My pleasure and my acceptance of him and of them, of a boy and two girls, it's not based upon how well or how successful they are, how good they do, how obedient they are, as much as I love all those things. But my pleasure is not based on that. And neither is my acceptance of them taken away because they fail, because they mess up, because they do that. Folks, we are teaching them a law-based mentality when we do that with our children. Because the reality is this, you're accepted, and you may say, well, but don't I fail? Yeah, of course you fail. But that's why the sacrifice of Jesus was. You know, when a, a man would, you know, take his little lamb up to the high priest, I think it was Robert Morris giving this example. We heard, was that with Joseph? Uh, no, I think it was Robert, Robert Morris doing this. Um, Robert Morris, a preacher out of Dallas, he's give this great example. He said, okay, you know, in the Old Testament times, you know, you'd have to take your lamb up to the high priest. And remember, it had to be a, a lamb without spot or blemish, right? And then the, the high priest would judge, okay, this is acceptable or not, right? So here, you know, he, he said, you could just see this guy coming up with his little lamb. Here, here's the offering, the lamb. He gives it to the high priest. The high priest looks over it and says, well, this lamb is spotless. It's blameless. And, and you know, and so then the guy who brings it goes, um, you know, you see him like trying to talk to the high priest. Oh, and by the way, I, I also memorized a verse from Deuteronomy 28 this week. It doesn't matter. Oh, by the way, I, I, I did a lot of good things in the neighborhood this week. And the high priest is going, it doesn't matter. And oh, by the way, I know I'm missing. It doesn't matter. Your acceptance. The offering is accepted based upon the lamb being spotless and blemished. That's why it says Christ is blameless and spotless lamb of God. So the father turns around. He looks at Jesus. And because Jesus was perfect, he then looks at me and says, So John, therefore you're accepted because you're in Christ. Y'all see that? So understand this. As a father to your children, not only do you give them identity, you give them acceptance. Do they know not only they're loved, but they are fully accepted? And that basically, you're pleased with them. Just tell them that. Do you ever tell them that? Man, you're awesome. You know, I just see such neat things in you. Remember, we talked about this a while back. It's real easy to call out what's wrong with people. It's difficult to start calling out the righteousness. Call out what's good, what you see in your kid. So the father, okay, you give identity. And secondly, you give acceptance. Here's the third thing I want to say. And I want you to see this verse. Turn to Proverbs 17, verse 6. Proverbs 17, verse 6. The verse says this. It says, Children's children are the crown of old men. And here's the phrase. In 17, 6. It says, In the glory of children... Is their father. The father gives identity. The father gives acceptance. And it's also the father who gives glory. What does it say right there? The glory of children is who? Is their father. Fathers, you give the glory to your children. Now let me explain what that means. Glory is the word. There's a couple of words in Hebrew. And one is a kabod. That actually means weight you know, something significant, like the glory of the Lord fill the temple. That's not what this glory word is for this one, though, because you know that word glory, right? 
But here's what's interesting. The word used for this, where it says the glory of children is their father, that word for glory, let, let me quote you another verse, and you'll see what I mean. It's back in, um, in Exodus 28, it's talking about the garments of the high priest. And it said he had the holy garments were given to Aaron for glory and beauty. That word for beauty is the word for here. So you can say it this way in Proverbs 17, 6, what it says is this, the beauty of children is their father. Just let that set in for a second. The beauty of children is their father. So guys, not only do you give identity, not only do you give acceptance, you give beauty to the children. Now, let me just give you a few applications or a few thoughts about that. It means that you make your children beautiful. It doesn't mean, you know, curls and ribbons and bows and makeup for little girls and all that. But how about, but here's what it's referring to. By the way, beauty is of the Lord. It's God's idea. He invented beauty. You know, the, the beautiful mountains, the oceans, and all those things in between, art and music, all this. And beauty is one of God's most favorite things. And he says this in Ecclesiastes. He says, he makes all things beautiful in his time. You know what that includes? That includes your children. And there's something beautiful about your children. They're a precious creation of the Lord. And he says there's something marvelously beauty about their children. But guess what? Their capacity to walk in that and to live in the beauty that the Lord has designed for them is, de is determined by how the Father lives toward that child. The beauty of children is their father. In other words, are you pushing them down or are you nourishing them up to be more beautiful see we often think of that role as a role of the mom don't we you know she's the one that does that but this is saying that it's of the father it's the father that can help bring out the beauty of children and that word of course translated as beauty and it's also translated as honor and here's just some ways of i i, I guess I, I think through this when, when i read that verse is how how I live toward my three children determines how quickly will they bloom into what God has meant for them to be. See, because I want them to grow up beautiful. What it really means is this. God has a specific destiny and purpose and design for their life. And it's my role for them to see that and to bring it forth. It's my job to call that out of their lives and to do that you know that word also like i just said means honor so folks are your, your guys are your children do they feel honored because they're your child and do they do they come to know the honor of the lord through how you live your life but see you need to know your heavenly father says that to you before you give that to your children you know the heavenly father needs to look on you and says i see something so beautiful in you preston because I formed you in the womb with it, and it's just a seed, and I'm bursting it forth, and I'm growing it, I'm watering it, I'm nurturing it. And you know that's what your Heavenly Father says over to each one of you. You are beautiful. There's something beautiful about you because I made you, and I'm trying to bring that forth and out of you. And guys, we are to do the same thing to our children. We make our children beautiful. It's called the beauty of the Lord that's upon their lives. All right, besides that, Here's the next one. Turn to uh, Genesis 49. Okay, Father gives identity. He gives acceptance. He gives glory. And I'm going to give two more. 
The Father is the one who gives the blessing. In Genesis chapter 49 is the passage where you see Jacob taking each one of his sons. And I'm not going to read through all the verses, but the entire chapter, you can see through it, he goes one by one to each one of his children, and he says a blessing over them. He goes to the next one, I put a blessing upon you. I do not give a blessing upon you. And by the way, in each one, the blessings are different, aren't they? But it's the Father that's giving you a blessing. We see this over and over through, uh, through Scripture. You know, um, Jacob, uh, I mean, Isaac blessing Jacob. Of course, he connived to get it, you know, dressed up like Esau. But you, know, no, but you see this pattern of the Father blessing the children. Guys, that's my responsibility and your responsibility to put the blessing over our children. And here's what's neat. Each one of these things, the blessing isn't just... You know, saying, son, I hope you turn out all right. <laughs> Sweetheart, I hope you don't embarrass the family name too bad. Oh, that's it. Be blessed and go on. But folks, blessing carries a prophetic element to it. Oftentimes when you read this, you're going, is he speaking prophetically or is he speaking a blessing? Well, the answer is yes, because a blessing always carries a prophetic element to it. In other words, you're calling forth a prophetic aspect of what God has said. So let me ask you this, guys. Do you hear what heaven is saying about your children? Because whatever you hear heaven saying about your children, you speak that into you. And by the way, Jackie participates in this. Y'all do understand this. I mean, mean, we both bless our children. We speak prophetically into our children because we can recognize the call of God on their lives. We can recognize the things of God. We can look at Naomi and we can see where... She'll do something and we'll just recognize, oh, that was anointed. So you know what we do? We prophetically call it out and we speak that into her so that she becomes aware of it. And so it begins to grow within her. So guys, speak a blessing over your children. Something we do about once a week. Of course, we'll do the Lord's Supper in our home. And, and one of the things we do, we'll turn around and I'll speak a blessing over the children. We'll speak a blessing. And every week, it's not like a whole rendition of Genesis chapter 49 coming up, you know. Yea, though, you shall walk in the water parts of Edom and, you know, all that, you know. So, but, you know, oftentimes it's just, you know, it's just simple. I want them to have a pattern just saying, son, I want you to know I bless you for this week coming forth. That's simple enough, isn't it? You know, Micah, I bless you. And one day you're going to speak to many people and turn their hearts to the Lord. Because it's something I can see in him. By the way, he doesn't see it yet. Unfortunately, y'all ever heard the, the expression, I know growing up, well, last thing we need are mama called preachers. Y'all heard that expression? I, I will, and I'll agree with that. What that means is a kid grows up, he, you know, God ain't called him to preach at all, but he turns around and goes to seminary just because his mom and daddy or somebody expected him to, and then he gets out. Like, Have y'all not heard that expression? I did growing up. Okay. That's not what we're talking about here. A prophetic utterance is when you hear and see clearly what God has said for your child. You're recognizing, you know, it may be, it doesn't have to be super spiritual. It can just be, you can tell your kid and how he deals with other kids in the neighborhood, you know, sweetheart, you know what, you have a great ability for leadership. Because you can tell she's the one, that everyone ends up fathering her, you know, your daughter. So what can you be? And you pray about, the Lord says, well, she, she has a gift of leadership. So you begin blessing her, and you call that out in her. 
So she recognizes this is something that God has given to you. So use that strength for the Lord. Y'all with me on that? Every blessing should carry a prophetic utterance. It's what you sense that the Lord is saying and doing in your child. Because see, when it comes to anointing and things like that, it's for most of us in here, and most of the time, do you know how you know you're anointed to do something? And the answer is not because you filled out our nice little spiritual gifts test that we all done. That just, that's not how it comes. You know we are anointed because as you step in the role and do something, you see the impact on other people's lives. People come up to you and go, man, what you did, that was so powerful. That just touched me right here. I just, it, it did something new in my heart. Whatever it may be, that's how you know anointing. And that's what you're doing with your children. A lot of times they don't know it, but they do something. And you just say, sweetheart, you don't realize the influence you just had on them with that. You're just, you're, you're making them aware of what God has put in them. All right, enough on that one. Are y'all with me? Everyone's looking at me like, what does that mean? I, hopefully that was clear enough. Okay, so it's a, go ahead. I'm going to say something. Yeah. Just to make it more practical, for Naomi, it's always been real easy to see what she's going to do. We knew from the start that she was going to dance, and it was going to be, it was going to release a sound from heaven. And um, whenever we've been in atmospheres where people are prophesying over others, they'll, they call her up and they'll see that inside of her. They don't even know she dances. But it wasn't so easy for our son Micah. Um, Micah's very small, and he's had speech and quiet, and he's had speech and language issues that's really kept him from y- interacting with people. And we were actually at a place where people were prophesying over, and they saw Micah, and they said, you will slay giants. You have the heart of David, and you will slay giant. You're a giant slayer, and 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 it was it's so opposite of what he is in the natural. And ever since that time, that's what we say over him, Mikey. You're going to slay giants, and so we're speaking that we're calling that forth over his life. And just more on, on that, when that was spoken, us as parents were listening to that, and it bears witness with us because we said, Micah. You're gonna have, you have a heart like David. And just as David slew the giants, the plans of the enemy aren't going to conquer you. But you're going to be a worshiper like David and a heart like David. See, that, when we heard that, that bore witness with our hearts as Jackie and I as parents. And we knew, yes, that's a word. That is a blessing that we need to speak over our child. And so we now pray that. We speak that over them. Um, all right, so we have... The Father gives you identity, He gives you acceptance, He gives you beauty, He gives you blessing. And lastly, before we close here, I'm going to do this one. He gives heritage, or you could say legacy. Here's what I mean by that. When I look in Deuteronomy chapter 8, I'm going to turn to it real quick. When you look in that passage, Deuteronomy chapter 6, excuse me, you know, this is uh, what I was about, just the greatest commandment. But it says this in chapter 6, verse 2. It says that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you. And I like this. It says you and your son and your grandson. And it says that, and then it goes on down, you know, and you shall diligently teach them to your children, you know, as you sit in the house and you walk by the way. Y'all know the verse. By the way, so the reference is that's what fathers are doing, not just what moms are doing. 
But here's what I thought about that. It says, to you, to your son, and to your grandson. And here's what I mean by heritage and a legacy. In a body of Christ corporate sense, you did not get where you are on your own. But you're standing on the shoulders of someone who went before you. There's a man of God or a woman God who walked with the Lord, who understood the truths of the Lord in their lives, and they were the ones that shared it to you, and they, in essence, bestowed that upon you, and now you've come to this level. I mean, think about at the time of, in a big sense, Martin Luther. Here we are, you know, in the 1500s, Martin Luther is the one who broke off from the church because he, he gets this revelation that was so powerful, and it just says this, you're saved by grace through faith. That was the most radical shift in thinking that could have been done. But today, that's the most simplest thing for us to say, isn't it? Matter of fact, we almost call that elementary. Yeah, you're saved by grace through faith. That's simple. But folks, in Martin Luther's time, it wasn't. And so then there's been men who then built upon his shoulders, upon his shoulders, and passed down so that now we do much more in the kingdom than what Martin Luther could have ever dreamed about. Why? Because there's a heritage, there's a legacy. Now, take that in a big sense. Now, apply it to your home. Apply it to your children. And what I'm saying is this, is fathers, you determine the legacy and the heritage of how your children will walk and follow the Lord. In my own life, many of y'all know my testimony, I was just very blessed to be in a very godly home. My grandfather, a very godly man, he was my hero growing up. Literally, my hero. I want to be like Pop. And it's interesting. And the level that he, and y'all know what I mean by this, the level he come to in the Lord. And then I saw my father, who is a very godly man, I saw my father come to his level and go up even higher. What was he doing? He was building upon the legacy that he received from his father. And now I come along and I have this heritage of my grandfather and my father. And at a younger age and at an earlier age, I've done more than it took my father many more years to get to with the Lord. Now, why is that? That's nothing on me that has to do about legacy and heritage. Uh, many of y'all may have heard me make this statement before, but think of it this way. As Jackie and I raise up our children, we want our ceiling to be their floor. Have y'all heard that expression before? Well, I mean by that, as far as we advance in the kingdom, we want Mike and Naomi and Eden to step right on top of that. And they don't have to go through all the stuff we did to get to our level. They're already at that level as young children, walking in the power of the Lord, understanding intimacy with Jesus and all that. So they're just growing and moving on, and they'll accomplish more in the kingdom than what Jack and I could have ever done. Why? Because we have established legacy, established heritage. Your Heavenly Father has done that for you. Like I said, you didn't get where you were on your own. You you're walking, you know, what's the, I just thought about that verse in, in the Old Testament. It says, redigging the wells of the fathers. You know, what you're, you're building upon what previous fathers have done, meaning spiritual fathers. And now you have a chance, guys, that your children, the, you determine the legacy on how easy it will be for them to get to a higher level. Those are the things we give to our children, guys. That's our mandate. So for the Father's Day message, know this. Your Heavenly Father has done every one of those things for each one of us in here. He's given you his identity. He's given you his acceptance. He calls forth your beauty 
that he made you with. He blesses you and declares a prophetic word over your calling and purpose and destiny. Doesn't he do all those things? And he also has established a legacy and a heritage for you. So as fathers know that, we determined. So guess what? So if I just cash out on the Lord today and just decide I'm not going to do anything else and just try to coast, well, that means my children's going to start at a lot lower level than what they could have. But if I keep pressing into Jesus, if I keep pursuing him, if I keep running after him, then you know what's going to happen? My children are right there with me. And guess what? So when I get to a point and I'm called home, my children are already advancing and going beyond that. Do you all see that? That's what matters in life as a father, guys. What you do up here is important. What you do on the job is important. What you do anywhere, obviously it carries importance, and there's other times we talk about those, but none of them match to what happens in the home and what you do as a father with your children. That's the mandate of the father. I'm going to let Shannon come over and pray for us uh, for a minute and just lead us as we close. Is there anyone that's got a need we can pray over this morning? Um. I just really feel like as we're doing this lesson that several of us have fathers that aren't these type of people. And um, as John was teaching that lesson, it's just so strong in me that there's several of us who have hearts that are hurting because we didn't have fathers like that. And um, not only do we not have fathers like that, but we may not have been, y'all guys, may not have been that father that you need to be from this lesson from what the Heavenly Father is. And I just want um, y'all to know that as God wants you to know that all these things that John was talking about is who he is for you. And you don't have to depend on what my father was or what he wasn't because ultimately the heavenly father is your father. And so your identity and who you are comes from him. So you seek him. What is he saying to you? How, how much does he love you? You seek the word of God. You pray. You become intimate with him and love him and let him give you that identity. Let him be all those things for you. And then then, like John said, you're going to be able to give it away. But I just want you to be encouraged in your heart how much God loves you and don't feel that condemnation that's so easy when you hear these lessons and you go, well, my father didn't do that, my father didn't do that, and maybe even I haven't been doing those things. But, um, but God is all those things for you. Lord Jesus, we just thank you right now, Lord, for your presence, Lord, for the miracles that you work. Lord, that we can pray and as you say in your word, that those who believe these signs, these wonders and miracles will follow. And I thank you, Lord, for men that you use as signs to point us toward you. And I thank you for the miracles, Lord, that you do in our midst to confirm that you are here working. And, Lord, that those who believe these things will follow. We thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, Lord, for, for Janice, for giving her and being a baby. Thank you for the baby that you've given to Tasha and Donnie. Lord, that you said that no man would get your glory. We thank you, Lord, that uh, even when the doctors are confounded, that you, uh, you just do it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for that blessing. That we have your blessing, Lord. That we have your favor. That we have your goodness upon our lives. Lord, that we're greater than the birds of the air. That we don't have to worry. Lord, we don't even have to worry about our provision, Lord, because you promised that to us as your children. So, Lord, I just ask you today that over everyone in this room, Lord, that you take this knowledge that we've heard from you, and, Father, that it will turn into experience, Lord. 
that we'll be able to experience your word working in our lives, your power working in our lives. And, Lord, that we just won't merely depend upon our natural abilities. Father, that we'll depend upon you, Lord, to take us even farther than that. Like you did with Moses, Lord, like you did with Peter, that you take us even further than what we can do in the natural. Lord, that today when we leave this room, we won't even depend on what we can do good in the natural. We'll depend on what we can't do and only depend on the strength that you supply us to do it. Father, I just uh, love you today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your provision in our lives. And Father, I just feel today that a lot of us as men in here have been doing a lot of trying, but not a lot of trusting. So, Lord, help us today to trust you, Lord, to trust your word, what it says. As you said in Isaiah, Lord, that you will help us. And every problem and every, every, every frustration that we have, you said you will help us. That you sent the Holy Spirit to help us, to comfort us, and to take care of every, every need that we have. So, Lord, we just ask you today to turn that knowledge into experience in our lives. That we may walk in this world as you walk. That we may overcome all of the enemy schemes in our life. And, Lord, that we can love as you love. Lord, that we don't have to work up love that's not even within us, Lord, that we can have the love that you uh, shed for us on the cross, Lord, that love working in us. So, Jesus, we just honor you today, Lord, and we love you today, Lord, and just ask you, Lord, to, that your Holy Spirit would just fill us and use us in Jesus' name. Amen.